Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Welcome to the Yale University Press Podcast. I'm Michael Hoke. How many of you feel a sense of dread when you find yourselves at the center of attention or in front of a large audience? Do you find small talk to be a burden? Are you a wallflower at social gatherings? For those who consider themselves shy or introverted, or for those of you who simply wish to understand the people in their lives who may be shy, this is the episode for you. I'm jo- joined by Joe Moran, author of Shrinking Violets, The Secret Life of Shyness. Joe is a professor of English and cultural history, and more importantly, he knows a thing or two about being shy. Joe, great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me on. So to start, you yourself are shy, and you keep a notebook of small talk conversation starters in case you run out of things to say. So what kind of things do you have in that notebook? Oh, I can't claim it's it's much use, actually. Um, <laughs> it tends to be, uh, if somebody says something to me, um, just to sort of remind me, uh, I'll stick it in the notebook so the next time I, I see them, I can sort of ask them about it. Um, uh, or just kind of things in the news, um, uh, things like that, that might just kind of start a conversation. Um, but I have to say... Um, it's not been a it's not been a huge amount of use that notebook over the years um, because um, of course the the point about conversation is that it's it's kind of spontaneous and you and you also have to you have to sort of be in the moment uh, and I think if you're kind of scrolling through your head um, <laughs> thinking of uh, the the thing that you sort of rehearsed uh, that you might say um, it doesn't quite work it works a little bit just as a starter but. Um, uh, but I think conversation is is um, inherently uh, spontaneous, and it's one of one of the things that uh, I and I think quite a lot of shy people find quite hard when when we know what we've got to say, and when when we're in a situation that is very structured, mm-hmm. uh, it's often quite liberating. And the problem for us is actually just those kind of uh, things, those those sort of uh, that kind of small talk or or the the sort of um, socially ambiguous, I suppose, situations where you're, um, you sort of have to turn take and you're not quite sure uh, whether you're supposed to see, speak or what you're supposed to say. And is that something that you c- get better with over time? Is it something that you feel is even something you need to change? Or is it something that the people around you sort of get used to and you sort of embrace it as you know, part of your character? Uh, I've embraced a, a little bit, and, and actually that, that kind of has helped um, mm-hmm. just to... Um, I think one of the problems with uh, shyness sometimes is that you uh, you kind of try and defeat it. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, th- I think it's it's also partly um, our, our particular cultural moment tends to think about personality as quite pliable and, and as something that you can change. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in the age of personal growth and, and self-help. So I think there's a sort of natural instinct to, uh, if you have something like shyness that, that makes you uncomfortable, to think that you can develop some kind of strategies that will help you. I, I think you can to some extent. But I also think that probably one of the things that's helped me is, yes, I think partly that people know that you like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, actually, one of, the, one of the good things about writing a book about shyness is, is that if people know that, they sort of, um, it kind of helps because, <laughs> uh, because they, they, they can sort of factor that in. Um, but I think also just, just a, a sort of um, 
uh, if I can acknowledge that that that's what I'm like, and I don't sort of feel defeated mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm constantly trying to to not be like that. Um, it actually sort of helps as well. Um, if I'm not expecting that I'm going to be really sparkling company, but that I have maybe other strengths, that I'm a good listener or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I think if I can um, learn to sort of live with it a little bit, it helps. And it sort of means that you don't obsess about it quite so much and you don't sort of overthink things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really does help because um, one of the things about shyness is that it's very circular and self-fulfilling. So if you just kind of stop and say, yes, that's what I'm like, um, it sort of alleviates itself a little bit and you can focus on the world a bit more and you can focus on on other people a little bit more. And so with that in mind, um, just for you personally, would you find it easier to be in social situations with, um, say, an extrovert who might actually take the lead on a conversation and allow you to just listen or is it is it easier for you if you're in social situations with other shy people? That's a good question. I think it I think it depends a lot actually. Um, certainly, uh, if you're if you're with an extrovert, um, yes, you you don't have to worry too much about, and they don't, they also don't feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're not sort of discomforted by you being quiet. Um, I think the problem with being shy is though is that you still want to have some input. You mm-hmm. know, you still. <laughs> You still do want to speak, <laughs> right? Um, uh, and um, and also, shy people can sometimes be quite good listeners. And I think um, I think if um, I think actually the the kinds of people that I often quite enjoy talking to are, I mean, I don't really like the phrase recovering shy person. Because <laughs> it's, it's a phrase that um, people have started to use, and right. it sort of makes us sound like we're in rehab. <laughs> like but it's think, a problem. I think the idea that um, you know, if people can sort of um, hopefully a little bit like me if they sort of got used to it a little bit and they they're not um you know they don't it's not like they don't say anything often those kind of people are quite good to talk to because they they're quite good at turn taking and they're quite good at listening mm-hmm. uh, and they've gotten used to sort of asking questions um one of the things I, I i do find hard sometimes is people not asking you questions because i'm quite good at asking asking about other people if they don't they're quite often Sort of very extroverted people might not do that. They might be sort of just um, they might have a different idea of what conversation is is for. So so I think it can vary quite a lot actually. Well, it's sort of funny because I I would consider myself an extrovert. So this is I'll ask you questions and then you can answer and we'll sort of flip the <laughs> flip the tables a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I, something like this is actually <laughs> quite good for me because. Um, uh, uh, something that has a sort of obvious etiquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody asks you a question, you answer it, and there's a kind of structure to it. Uh, I find that sort of relatively easy. Uh, the hardest thing I find actually is is when you're in a group of people, and you're not quite sure whether whether you're supposed to chip in. Mm-hmm. And the longer you leave it, the harder it is. <laughs> something like this. That's, I mean, shy people generally find one-on-one conversations much much easier than just being in a group. I think. So, I mean, we're sort of uh, focusing, I, mean, I guess, on some of the, the hardships or the, or the perceived negatives of shyness. But what is your, what's your favorite thing about shyness? Um, you know, what should we look at as sort of part of the human experience or celebrate about shyness um, or those who are shy? Yeah, well, I think it's not, I suppose my book is not, is not about either celebrating or, or um, 
sort of is not suggesting it's a kind of debilitating condition. I think it's just something that's so incredibly common. Mm-hmm. I think it just manifests itself in lots of different ways. But but I think one I think it certainly can be um a source of creativity. I'm not suggesting that um uh it's the only source of creativity obviously, but I think the thing about shyness is that we are we're such resiliently social animals. I think we're just I think that's just kind of hardwired in us that we do want to communicate with other people. And I think if you're shy, um that doesn't go away. It just means that you can sometimes sublimate that desire to communicate into other interesting forms. So I think quite a lot of writing, art, uh, music uh, performance actually because shy people are often very drawn to performance paradoxically mm-hmm. or even a lot of technology a lot of uh, a lot of uh, computer coders people who uh, people who've invented computers um, tend to be shy just just something that allows you to communicate at one remove so I think an awful lot of um, a, a sort of tangential communication interesting communication I think has probably come out of certain kind of shyness yeah and i mean sort of going towards the topic of your book you're you're very interested in the the history of shyness um how do you think you know based on your your work how have attitudes towards shyness changed over time is it more acceptable less acceptable about the same um well I suppose the first thing to say is that I think shyness, which and this is this is not a very fashionable thing to say as a historian, but but it seems to me that it's fairly tra- transhistorical and probably cross-cultural. It just seems to be some there seems to be something very human about it. Mm-hmm. So, that, but the things that have changed have been, I suppose, kind of cultural attitudes, and that also does change what shyness is because the point about shyness is that it's not just a feeling, it's also a sort of cultural articulation of that feeling. It's it's partly about the kind of narrative that you tell in your head and it's how you define yourself. So it's very difficult actually to separate the feeling from the sort of cultural expression of it. So I think that's actually quite a complicated question because there might be, for example, there might be some countries like the Nordic countries that mm-hmm. have more positive attitudes to shyness and they um, they have more people reporting as shy in those countries, and it's a bit difficult to disentangle mm-hmm. whether that's because there are more shy people <laughs> in those countries or just they have a more positive, it has a more positive connotation, so people are more likely to declare themselves as shy. So I think it partly depends how you define it and uh, and uh, 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 sort of how it uh, and how it how it expresses itself. But I think um, generally speaking. Um, it, it is something that that has um, people tend to think of as as more now now more of a debility, more, mm-hmm. more as something that you should um, that, that it is almost your duty to conquer. Hmm. Um, uh, it's certainly in in uh, in Europe and in, in, and in Britain in the in the 19th century, people talked about what they called constitutional shyness. Um, in other words, it was something that. Um, that you suffered from that was just part of your temperament and you could imagine that if you thought that then then you wouldn't feel that you had a responsibility to to be something different 
Um, but I think nowadays, uh, with a lot of qualifications, and I think it's quite a complex question, but nowadays I think we perhaps tend to think of it more as something that you should um, defeat, as hmm. something that's, uh, uh, that, that you need to learn strategies or social skills um, to try and conquer it. And do you see that as something, I, I think I remember reading that you're left-handed and, you know, there was there was sort of a movement to correct left-handedness at, at one time. Do you see it as sort of the same thing? This is an, this is a, a perceived problem but uh, that people try to correct but doesn't necessarily need any sort of, of correction. Yeah, I, I feel a bit torn about that actually because, um, I, I, as I say, I... I it's not a book that's about kind of celebrating being shy, but partly because I'm by na- by nature a shy person is not likely to be kind of <laughs> celebrating or cheerleading. <laughs> um, there was a book um, uh, published a few years ago called uh, Quiet by, by Susan Cain, and, and that is very much uh, like that, but it's about introversion and not shyness. And mm-hmm. it's very much about, you know, there are introverts in the world and the world is kind of designed for extroverts and therefore um, it's not the introverts problem that actually what what they need to do is to, what we need to do is is uh, design our world to accommodate this this reality mm-hmm. um, I think I sort of think that a little bit about shyness uh, I, I do worry a bit um, that it is just seen as a pathology it, it, it might just be seen as a pathology mm-hmm. or something something that should be medicalized I think there is, there is there have been sort of moves towards that in the last uh, few years, uh, and I do think that's a shame if if it's done in a sort of um, a sort of one-dimensional way, because I do think shyness um, is just part of the jigsaw of human diversity, and I think it would be a shame if we were if we were all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I do think there are certain kinds of shyness and. And I see this sometimes with with some of my students that that are very crippling, and I, I, I'm not uh, suggesting that that those people shouldn't be helped. You know, if it, if it's if it's so it becomes so painful, um, I I, um, I I think that um, you know I'm not against uh, that being seen as something that you should you should get help for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are there are quite a few. Uh, notable shy people throughout history and you, you you speak a lot about them in your book uh charles darwin alan turing agatha christie to name a few do you have a, a favorite uh shy person or a, a sort of a kindred spirit from uh, from any of the people that you that you've covered in the book well i think my favorite person i don't know if it's because he's shy but certainly <laughs> the, the one i sort of really warmed to is is garrison keeler uh-huh. um uh who's a shy midwesterner uh, and and also broadcaster mm-hmm. and i think he very much is so he certainly i didn't know him obviously but he certainly seems um from his broadcasts and from his writing like somebody who's whose kind of positive qualities have emerged partly out of his shyness that he seems to have a kind of stoicism and um uh, a sort of um a sense of a kind of um a sort of measured um, observational response to the world that that seems to emerge partly out of I think um, uh, the, the the sort of pain of shyness, but also bec- becoming an observer, be- being a listener, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, I, and I do think that, and, and also um, 
I think it's it, it's helped him become the broadcaster that he is. Because um, he always said that um, uh, one of the things that attracted to him about radio was that you couldn't be interrupted and that, that you couldn't <laughs> actually see the, another, the other person yawning or looking at their watch. Um, and I do think, I actually don't mind being on radio either, and I do think there is something about uh, radio that's very appealing to, <laughs> to shy people because it's... Um, the kind of combination of distance and intimacy mm-hmm. that that um, obviously you're invisibilized and you're kind of just a sort of moving along invisible radio waves but there's also something very intimate about uh, the the, vo- the human voice on radio and the way that it connects mm-hmm. um, across the ether um, so I, I mean I love his writing uh, uh, and I love his um, I love his broadcast I love his voice actually um, and I do think that um, that some of that must be what well, he sees written about it a lot. And of course, late Wobegon is full of shy people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think some of that must have come out of out of his own experience. And I, you know, one of the things he's known for is sort of being this keen observer. Uh, you know, and is that do you find that to be especially in maybe literature uh, with writers who are shy? Is that sort of a a theme that the that the the shy uh, authors writers are they do they seem to write about the human condition in a in a particular way? Yeah, I don't know if you could sort of generalize uh, about that. This I could certainly think of lots of examples. Um, I mean, I mean, I suppose um, uh, regardless of what you write about, um, writing is quite a good uh, profession for a shy person. Um, there's something. I mean, I'm writing a, a, a book about sentences at the moment, and there's certainly something that's very attractive about moulding the perfect sentence mm-hmm. that is quite appealing to a tongue-tied person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, there's also just a sense that um, uh, it, it's another kind of communication. That if you're if you're kind of mumbling or blushing self, then 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 being able to produce a more, much more polished version of what you want to say is very appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the um, whether it's, it makes you more likely to be a certain kind of writer. I mean, I suspect it could go the other way, mm-hmm. that actually you, you use your writing to, to express yourself rather than to observe other people. Um, but I, I certainly think it's true of me because... Um, um, I mean, my my book about shyness is a little bit about me, but it's mostly actually about other people and mm-hmm. about my my sort of observations of the phenomenon of shyness. And before I wrote the book about shyness, I, I kind of write about well, I write about everyday life really. So I sort of became a a kind of anthropologist of the everyday, partly as a way of just kind of um, just sort of developing something I was doing anyway, really, which is observing the world. And also one one of the things that's quite good about being that sort of writer is it makes you interested in the world. It stops you obsessing about yourself, which is one of the dangers of being shy. Mm-hmm. You're kind of you're 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 too you sort of overthink, and you and you and you live in your own head. So mm-hmm. so just as a way of becoming more interested in the world, I, I found that I found that very useful. Uh, there's also an interesting uh, you know it's not just writers in here. There, you also have an interesting bit about. Um, Morrissey and sort of his unrequited love and 
how that led to some of the music. What uh, what sort of fascinating things did you dig up about like songwriters and this idea of unrequited unrequited love that that goes along with shyness? Yeah, well, there was um, uh, that there's a there's actually a, a term that's that's used by um, uh, a, a psych psychologist called uh, Dorothy Tenov, I think I've got the name right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she uses the term limerence, uh-huh. um, uh, which is, it doesn't have an origin, the word, it's just she liked the, liked the sound <laughs> of the word. But it's, um, it's particularly about, it was, actually, it was actually students coming to her who, were, who had these kind of unrequited crushes on other students or on, on tutors. And um, essentially it was that... Um, uh, there was a certain kind of attachment to another person that was strengthened by being by it being unrequited, uh, which is obviously a um, a very unfortunate sort of design <laughs> fault in in human relationships that you you're likely to love someone more if they if if they ignore you or, or they seem to not have the same feelings, um, and that there was something about. Um, that feeling that also induced shyness, and that, that's actually a very common mm-hmm. theme in a lot of poetry and also in in songs. That that um, uh, that, that uh, just just actually loving someone or fe- having these kind of feelings anyway made you speechless. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a, it's a theme very much in uh, Shakespeare's sonnets as well. That that uh, uh, that love makes you tongue-tied. So I suppose there is that sort of sense of um, poetry and also song as being a kind of um, a, a sort of last resort as a form of communication, mm-hmm. I suppose, that because you you can't say it to that person or or that uh, or they don't love you back. That, that that's that that's the last thing you have, I suppose, is is to sing about it or or to to make a poem about it. Um, but the interesting thing about Morrissey is, and I think what's um, What's very, what's certainly very appealing to me about his songs is they're not kind of like that. They're, they're sort of a bit about unrequited love, but they also have a kind of confidence to them as well. Um, and he, and he was an interesting persona, or is, is an interesting persona in that he's, he, he, um, he sang a lot about b- being shy and also having sort of unrequited feelings. But his own sort of persona was incredibly sort of confident and charismatic, <laughs> and he would often in his songs veer between the second person and the third person and the first person. Though he wasn't quite sure he w- wasn't quite clear who he was who he was writing about. So um, I think the danger with those kind of with that with those kind of lyrics, if you're just uh, writing or singing about unrequited love, is that it can seem quite sort of self-pitying or needy. And uh, Morrissey sort of seemed somehow to manage that trick where he was talking about his feelings and yet in a very in a in a sort of paradoxically very confident way. So I think that was that was that was that certainly what was kind of appealing to me about Morrissey when I first came across the Smiths in in the eighties. Um, yeah. So you know the this the work that you're doing when when you talk about your work in social situations, you say that it's sometimes easier for you to put it down on paper because it gives you time to sort of craft what you want to say and get it just right. When you talk about your work in, say, social situations, uh, what are some of the responses that you get from people? Um, You mean talking about shyness? Yeah. My work on shyness? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, one of the things that's, 
been surprising, I suppose, is that you discover just by talking to people um, what a sort of dirt common condition it is. Um, <laughs> that I do think that, well, I tell you, the, the first thing that, that people, that nobody ever says is nobody is surprised. And so <laughs> I, think, I think that must mean that I, I present as shy. So, <laughs> so, um, so no one has said, what, why on earth are you writing about that? <laughs> um, so so I, I think probably people think, uh, if they know me anyway, that this is a kind of fairly um, natural thing for me to be writing about. But the other thing is just that um, some very unlikely people, people who don't present as shy to me at all, have said either that they are shy or that um, that they were shy. Hmm. Um, and I think it's it's something that's very situational and very contextual, and it can sort of ebb and flow in all kinds of strange ways. So um, I think it's something that an awful lot of people um, have some kind of understanding of. Um, but the other the other good thing, I suppose, that um, Particularly if you're if you're talking about shyness, um, as I sometimes have to in in kind of social settings where I don't know people, is it's kind of a little bit of an icebreaker because you end up talk it's in in a sort of meta way, you end up almost talking about the process that you're undertaking. So you you end up talking about small talk, or or you talk about sort of group dynamics, or you talk about how how you get tongue tied. Um, and um, that seems to help. Actually, you might think it makes it uh, would make you more self-conscious, but it sort of helps me um, get over some of the awkwardness. That, in a sense, you're also talking about awkwardness. So, from a, a flipped perspective here, maybe, do you have any advice for um, extroverts when interacting with shy people? At least from your perspective. Uh, what sort of things can people who may be a little more outgoing be aware of or 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 do to to sort of help um in social situations or even you know sometimes i guess in romantic relationships yeah uh, um it's difficult because uh, um i think one of the things that that shy people um don't always like um is being kind of defined in that way mm -hmm. or being seen as a project mm -hmm. you know that that um uh that somebody like an extrovert might be making um allowances for them or might be doing something mm -hmm. um uh different uh, in their sort of interactions with them um i think in some ways if it's possible it might be good just to ignore it and not <laughs> to sort of define people in that way mm -hmm. because because I, I think shy people are just like any other person in the sense that they want to be, they want to be seen for their um, uniqueness and their individuality, not not necessarily as defined by by one thing. Um, I mean, it would be. I, I I kind of think in terms of how shy and extrovert people interact. I sort of feel that we need to kind of meet in the middle a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, w one of the one of the things that people who don't who aren't shy sometimes think um, is that is that shy people are uh, too self-absorbed hmm. um, or they're that they're, they're kind of socially lazy or they're not sort of making enough of an effort and I think that can sometimes be true 
Um, but it's not actually always a very helpful thing to say to a shy person to be to be less self-absorbed because <laughs> in a sense that's kind of what what it is. That's mm. what shyness is. So um, that's one thing. But I also think that shy people, you do sort of need you do need to make a little bit of an effort. You sort of need to meet the world halfway. And I think I've realised that that actually you do need to. What well, one of the things I hate doing is making other people feel uncomfortable. As long as I don't do that with my shyness, mm-hmm. I don't mind so much. I don't necessarily have to be the, the life and soul of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like making other people feel uh, discomforted. So I kind of feel we thought I have to meet in the middle a bit mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, and just kind of acknowledge um, difference. And I think that's a kind of healthy thing to do. And the, uh, and. Uh, and a, 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 I think a lot of extroverted people do that. They, they don't expect other people to be extroverted. They, right. they sort of acknowledge that it would be quite a dull world if we're all if we're all the same. Right, right. Um, so, do you have you know any advice or or somewhere maybe uh, one of the people that you mentioned in the book is is there someone that's particularly good to look at for a sh- for somebody who's shy who might feel that it's a curse or a burden. Yeah, um, I mean, Garrison Keeler, I kind of mentioned again, but, mm-hmm. but he's he's certainly somebody who um, who has found a way of 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 being. I mean, I think I think humor is a very good thing, actually. Mm-hmm. Being sort of funny about it, um, being sort of wry about it. Um, I mean, I actually. Um, Oddly, I, I've just done my first uh, stand-up um, oh, wow. <laughs> routine last week. <laughs> How did that go? Stand- um, actually, quite well because um, um, it, it was a very generous audience. <laughs> but um, but uh, um, it's actually quite um, it's quite an easy thing to be funny about. There's lots of, there's lots of funny about being shy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it almost the jokes kind of or the the the, um, the, the one-liners anyway. They almost kind of generate themselves. <laughs> so. So I think being funny helps. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think finding something to that you're absorbed in also helps. So all the kind of um, shy people in the book who've seemed happiest, people like um, Tove, I write about Tova Jansson, who's an artist and, mm-hmm. and writer, write, write, writes children, wrote children's books, uh, the Moomin books, and and she just got completely absorbed mm-hmm. in. Um, her work, uh, and, and um, so it's that finding something I think that that uh, doesn't def- doesn't define you as a shy person, but there's something else that mm-hmm. you do um, that you enjoy that you're kind of absorbed in. Um, I, I think that certainly helps. But but as I say, the the, 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 the thing that's helped me most I think is just is just. Um, saying that's what I'm like, mm-hmm. just being a bit sort of zen about it, and just <laughs> kind of, just sort of accepting that that's, that's my, that's my reality. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. The book is Shrinking Violets, The Secret Life of Shyness, and it is available wherever books are sold. That does it for this episode of the Yale University Press Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please visit us online at www.yalebooks.com to keep up with this podcast as well as the latest from our blog and our authors. For more episodes, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. Talk to you next time.